0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. This morning, actually, I want us to look at someone, or actually a group of people, who chose vegetables, their diet, vegetables and water by choice. And Can you think who we're going to be looking at this morning? Daniel. Yeah, the book of Daniel. Daniel and his friends. And, uh, you know, when we often think of Daniel, the first thing we think of is Daniel in the lion's den and the amazing courage that he faced as he faced those lions. Or or maybe the image you get of Daniel and his friends is the fiery furnace. Now, that would have taken faith. And again, courage. But actually, the journey to having the faith and the courage that Daniel and his friends displayed in the lion's den and in the fiery furnace were fought and trained actually at a dining room table. And so this morning, I want us to look at why we should eat our vegetables. If there's any children here, parents, nudge them right now, listen up, why we should eat our vegetables. So I'm going to start this morning from reading from Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 20. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put put them in the treasure house of his God. Then he ordered Ashpenaz, king of the court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, uh, quick language, uh, quick to understand, and, qualif- uh, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned you your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. And Daniel said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to do this and he tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And to these young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Father, this morning, we come before you. And we ask, Holy Spirit, the one who says, if any lacks wisdom, ask for it. We ask for wisdom this morning. Father, we pray that as we position our hearts, our ears, our eyes towards you, that, Father, by your Spirit, you would help us to grasp the things that you're wanting to say. Father, we've come to meet with you this morning. Not wisdom from me, uh, not encounters or just worship leaders, but Father, we want to meet with King of kings and Lord of lords. And we come against any tactic of the enemy to distract, to rob, steal, and destroy. We lift up your name, King Jesus. We set our eyes on you. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, that's a long passage of Scripture, but let me kind of put it into context. So Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, the the ruler, the king of the Babylonian Empire. So that's modern-day Iraq. Now, it had been foretold to the Israelites by previous prophets that if they would continue in rebellion and disobedience to God, they would face consequences which would be exile being overrun, taken captive into a foreign land, which would be Babylonia. And so that's exactly what happened. The king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, sent his armies in. They uh, destroyed the, the city of Jerusalem. They broke down the walls and they destroyed the temple. And then they took captive a whole host of people and they took them as exiles and slaves back to Babylon. And in that group of people that they took back, they were strategic to take back many of the royal household and many of these young men who were the up and coming leaders Of the Israelites. So they were very strategic and very purposeful to take them back to Babylon, where these young royal men were then placed into a rigorous training camp of physical and intellectual uh, indoctrination into the Babylonian way of life and the Babylonian culture. And so, as part of their training, they were set a menu by the king. So we read in verse 5 that the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. But we know that Daniel and his three friends, they refuse, they respond that, to the king that they don't want to eat the food that's been assigned to them. In verse 8, again, we read that Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself. Now, the reason Daniel and his friends didn't want to eat the food that the king had assigned to them was because he understood something very strategic in what the king, Nebuchadnezzar, was trying to do. Nebuchadnezzar knew that the food and the wine that he assigned to these young uh, Israelites, these young men, had already been offered up in worship to the idols, to the Babylonian gods. And so Daniel knew that if they were to partake and eat this food and drink that wine that the king had given them, they would be in fact compromising And in many ways, disobeying the commandments of the Lord, not to eat food that had been offered to idols. And Daniel and his friends knew that they would be embracing the God and the culture of the Babylonians if they were to eat and drink that food. Now, if we fast forward, some of you may be thinking of the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where the Apostle Paul basically writes about this very issue of food being offered to idols. And Paul makes a statement that there's only one true God, King Jesus, God, and therefore it was permissible according to a disciple, a follower's convictions as to whether they would eat food offered to idols or not. So Paul, in the New Testament, addresses this very issue, and it changes. New Testament, a different, uh, it was permissible. But Daniel and his friends lived under the rules and the regulations of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. And so this is why Daniel and his friends were so determined That as obedience to the Lord, they were not to eat the food that the king of Nebuchadnezzar was strategically trying to say, eat this, and therefore I know you're on the slippery slide to compromise. And so I believe by examining the life of Daniel and his friends, there's lessons that we can learn from them about faith and about courage and about trusting God. And so Let's just look at a couple of these things, these lessons that I believe we can learn. First of all, one thing to note is Daniel and the disciples, these three men that he was with, were free to choose. In other other words, God gives us freedom of choice. Now, it's as simple in this particular case of veg or non-veg. But there was a freedom to decide what to do in how they would respond. We know that many young men were called, were taken as captives, were taken as exiles. Many were called, but only four of the many stood out. And these were young men that we know were, were intellectual, they were from the royal family, kind of think Prince William and Prince Harry here, yeah? They were good-looking, yeah, come on, good-looking. And, you know, they could have really felt like they were, had it all together, really into themselves, like, you know, look at us, we're the royal family, we're, we're Harry and William and we've got it all together. They could have been full of their own self-worth, But instead, what we see in this passage of Scripture is even though they had all these um, step-ups, as it were, royal, good-looking, handsome, without physical defect, you know, Jace, you can relate to this, I guess, yeah, all right. So even though they had it all together, they freely chose to rely and trust on the Lord even in their captivity, even when perhaps it felt like God had abandoned them. Think about it. It's easy to choose God when everything's going right. You know, when, when oh, Lord, full of faith, I choose you. But when things start going pear-shaped, think about it. They'd been taken as prisoners, their temple destroyed, their city lay in ruins. No doubt many people had been killed in this battle to take them into exile. Here they are in a foreign land, and yet in the midst of perhaps feeling abandoned, in the midst of perhaps feeling forgotten, that, God, do you really see what I'm walking through? The challenges, the pain, the difficulty right now that I'm walking through. Do you see me? At that moment, they freely chose the things of God. And, you know, I have found over the years as a primary, I was a primary school teacher for many years here in Brisbane before I stepped onto the mission field. What I found, people often ask me about my calling. How did you know God called you to be a missionary? You know, I really do, as I reflect back, recognize there was a freedom of choice. I was free to choose if I would stay as a primary school teacher with a secure job and a good bank account and my car. and I was free to choose that. But likewise, I was free to choose to step into what ended up being 30 years as a missionary in other nations without getting paid. And the same with stepping off the mission field last year. There was a freedom to choose. It reminded me of, I guess I can only liken it to the story of Esther. If you know the story of Esther, where Mordecai, asks Esther to go to the king on behalf of her people and ask the king not to carry out the evil plan that was intended to annihilate the Jewish race. And Esther says, no, 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 don't you know, she tells her uncle Mordecai, if I go before the king uninvited, and he says, you know, don't you think for such a time as this, God has placed you in that role And so the story goes on where Esther goes before the king and the king extends his scepter, his rule of authority, his symbol of authority, and he turns to Esther and he says, what do you want? And that passage has always been a key passage for me when it's come to making decisions about, God, what are you calling me to? Should I stay a schoolteacher? Should I be a missionary? Should I stay a missionary? Should I become a pastor? Every time, time and time again, as I've wrestled before the Lord, I felt he has turned to me and said, Eleanor, what do you want? And you know, if you're like me, we don't like that answer like freedom of choice. No, no, no. And we, we love, if you're like me, we love to quote Scripture back to God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. Okay, God, I'm acknowledging you. I'm trusting you. Should I be a missionary or stay a school teacher? Yes or no? Yes or no? Uh, uh. And I want, I don't know, this voice to come from heaven saying, yes, be a missionary. Yes, go that way. And then I I love to argue again. No, 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 God, you say whether you turn to the left or the right, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Well, God, which way? This way or that way? God, I'm trusting you. Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) Eleanor, what do you want? And I think for you and I, I don't know what you're facing. Life is full of choices. This way or that way? God, do I, I'm in the process of buying a house. Do I buy that or do I do this? Do, is now the time to sell? What, God, what, it's full of choices. You know, Forrest Gump said, life's a box of chocolates. Well, I think life's full of choices. And even the choice of which chocolate you choose, And it is so easy in that dilemma sometimes of making choices, it's so easy to compromise. It's so easy sometimes to fall into the trap of choosing, well, God, this is just easier. And so that's why I'll make my choice in this direction. But in this particular case, we see that Daniel and his friends in the midst of choosing, choosing not to eat the king's food, they chose perhaps what many of us would think about vegetables, they're boring, they're bland, you just gotta chew them. You know, there's not much fun in uh, vegetables. But they chose not the path of least resistance, they chose what they felt would honor and in obedience to God. You know, it's in the small things when it comes to choices that often, if you're like me, it's so easy, we don't even realize it, where we're compromising. So I'll give you an example. I'm not a really on-time person. You know, Jesse told me to be here this morning at 8.30. I kind of rocked up at 20 to 9. I always seem to be a little bit late. And uh, so since I've stepped into a, a pastoral role at Gateway, you know, we have to be at church by X time and I'm always running late. And just down the road from my house is a set of traffic lights and often i get to those set of traffic lights and i've literally got 3 minutes to get to church to be on time and i know it takes me 7 minutes to get there and i'm at the traffic lights and it's you know often 7:30 in the morning on a sunday and i have to be there and because I'm not on the main road, those lights stay red, what feels like, for all eternity. You know, a thousand years in the sight of the Lord is one day. Well, that's kind of what it feels like. And I sit there, and I sit there, and I start, because <laughs> I know, tick, tick, tick. And so the compromise comes. I hate to admit it, but I'm going to. Sometimes I look around, look in the rear vision mirror, no one's there. <laughs> Off I go on a red light round the corner. See, I, I shouldn't be a pastor. I don't know what to say. I've only done it a couple of times, but I tell you what, the conviction comes. I just hope the police don't come as well. But I know, I know it kind of defeats the purpose of obedience and, and, and saying, Lord, I choose to live a life of no compromise. I choose to live a holy life. Be holy for I am holy. So what are the choices you're facing today? Where is God asking you, what is it you want? As you wrestle through, is it the easy, the most convenient, the least resistance, or the tastiest in the case of Daniel and his friends? What is it God's asking you to choose today? I think a second lesson that we can learn from Daniel and his friends is they face a challenge and the test that was laid before them willingly. You know, a challenge is only a challenge when we're tested in it. Let me say that again. A challenge is only determined a challenge when we face a a test. And so in verse 12, Daniel turns to the official and he says, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. So there again, we see that, courage and determination and faith in who God was was displayed through that test to say, test us. We trust God. We are determined to walk in the ways of God. And in verse 8, And Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. You know, I was driving, I used to drive in India. I tell you, that's not for the faint-hearted. I drove from Bombay, Mumbai, to the south of India to a place, it's about 16 hours' drive, called Bangalore in the south of India. I was with a friend. I had a little small Santro, a Hyundai Santro, like a little Getz, those little tiny cars. And I was sleeping and my friend was driving and it's only a teeny little car and we were on a highway, if I can, I'm putting it in quotation marks to give the effect of this road we were on. And my friend was passing a great big semi-trailer, one of those big rigs, and I was sleeping. And I woke up to the the car screeching, "Ah!" and I I put my hands on the dashboard as I looked up to see another truck. You know, it happened simultaneously. This huge big semi-trailer hurtling towards us on our side of the road, and I look over and we're on the side of another big semi-trailer right beside us in this little getz. There was the challenge. I put my hands on the dashboard And I uttered three words, which I believed would have been my last three words before I met the Lord Jesus in heaven. And I want to tell you, they weren't, please, Jesus, help. They were starting with an S and ending with a T, and I said it three times. And I just can picture myself standing before the Lord and him going, well, I liked your last three words on earth, Eleanor. You know, go out with a bang. (sighs) But again, you know, the test shows you what's there. It's like when I drive the car and I go through red lights and very occasionally when I'm behind someone who I think, where did you get your license from? Occasionally, a little expletive comes out of my mouth. Occasionally, maybe even flip them off. Very occasionally, uh, uh, very occasionally. I don't want to give you, none of you would do that because you're all Baptists and you're all Christians. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on the wild side. and The test shows you what's in your heart, what the challenge is. So what are the challenges you're facing? What are the tests that God wants to take you through when times are tough, when we're struggling with our finances, the health, when we don't know, do I go to the left or the right? What's the challenge? What are the tests that you're facing? And there's a saying, experience, life experience is a hard test because it gives the test first and afterwards it gives you the lesson. In other words, Often when we've gone through a test, when we've gone through a challenge, we look back and we go, oh, now I can see what God was teaching me through that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Now I can see what God was wanting to do. So again, what are the tests that you're f- facing? And the final lesson that I believe we can learn from Daniel and his friends so they willingly uh, had freedom to choose. They willingly faced the tests that laid before them. And the third thing that I believe we need to understand from this passage is they kept their focus on God. They kept their eyes on Jesus. So Daniel and his friends put obedience to God above everything everything else, even when it would have been easier to eat the king's menu, not to mention tastier. You know, in this life, again, there are many things that want to steal our focus. There are many ways that seem easier. And that's where, again, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, We're told to throw off everything that hinders and so easily entangles and run the race that is set before you. Fix your eyes on Jesus. That he would be the focus, nothing else. Now, if you've ever looked at 3D pictures, you know, back in the day, I think about whenever that was, many years ago, those 3D pictures were the in thing. And you kind of have to just... You know, go into a trance stare to look at this thing so that the 3D picture pops out at you. Well, it's the same sort of thing. Is where are you putting your focus? Because it's only when your focus is on the right thing that sometimes it comes clear what God's trying to say. So, as Jess and the team come back up, what we need to understand from this passage, it's not just about, you know, the Daniel diet and why it's good and healthy for you. It's about putting our focus on God above and beyond everything else, willingly choosing when it takes courage and faith to walk through the trial or the test or the challenge that lays before us and recognising there are times where God often gives us freedom to choose, and He asks us, What is it that you want? You know, we live in a world today that's so busy. That's so, everything's urgent, everything's important. We've got to respond to texts that we get immediately. If we don't, people are sitting there literally waiting for their little ellipsis, you know, the three dots to appear, waiting for you to answer them. Everything today is urgent. It's important. And if you're like me, we run from the moment we get up in the morning till we collapse in the bed at night. It's like we run from one thing to the next to the next. To the next, and you know, again, we can choose like a hamster on a wheel, we can choose to live that way. But I believe from Daniel and his friends, the things we can learn when we are free to choose and where we put our focus, and willingly choosing to face what's before us, that God is doing something far greater the battle for faith and courage, just like Daniel displayed in the lion's den. He gives us that freedom to choose. And I know when I sit there with somebody, often, you know, at church, someone will come up needing to talk to me and I know I have to go and do this or do that. And the temptation is as I'm talking to that person is as I look as though I'm listening, in the back of my head, I'm thinking of the 20 other things I've got to do. And it's like I'm not even present to that person because it's everything else robbing me, calling me in a multitude of, of areas. But I believe this morning that God is wanting to challenge us, even the way Jace started this morning, as we come into this new year to say, God, recognising that Your sovereignty and my responsibility, human responsibility, they go together. And God, You give me freedom to choose where I put my time, what I do, how I do it. Father, You are wanting to challenge me to put my eyes upon You, above and beyond everything else, to trust You, that as I prioritise, as I seek You first, God tells us that as we put Him first, as we are still, it says in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still, And know that I am God. Even in the midst of craziness, that God's desire, just like Daniel and his friend, is to commune with us, to be close to us. Not in the busyness of life, like we squeeze it in somewhere, but that we make it a priority to commune with Him. And a verse that has often stood out to me as I bring this to a close is from Matthew 6. Verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Or I like the way the message puts it, the message Bible. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And so this morning, Father, We lay hold of that promise, that we are free to choose. And we may face trials and challenges, but Father, when we put our focus on You, that is where the battle is won. That battle is won as we're seeking first Your kingdom and trusting that all these other things will be added unto us. And so this morning, we come before you and we declare King Jesus at the start of this new year, we choose to set our eyes upon you. We choose to carve out a time that's not just squeezed in, oh, I've got five minutes, so quickly on my way to work, I'll have my quiet time. But I choose to put my focus on you for all that this day holds because Father, you are the rock on which we walk. You are our chief cornerstone. Let's let's just respond as Jesse leads us.